Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Nice to have you guys with us. It is a Friday morning here. Let's get our Telegram people on with us. I have 8 to 14 people on Rumble that are watching, and I'd love to hear from you guys if you really would like Rumble and if you're really liking the format, because I'm just trying to figure out if we should keep... I'll definitely keep it up if you guys are faithful to it and want to maybe try and get more people on it, because it's a good format. But if you just as soon go over to something else, Telegram or YouTube or something else, then... Um, I'll reconsider whether we'll stay on or not. So we are in Song of Solomon today, 4 and 5, Acts 7, a very famous um, part of the book of Acts, very important chapter. So we'll be looking at those, but we will jump into this day trivia for June 23rd. Uh, Quote of the day from Mohandas Gandhi. Huh, I thought it was Mahatma Gandhi. Mohandas be the change you wish to see in the world. Yeah, I would expand that. Just say, be the witness for Jesus' sake. We want to see for the change in the world. But that kind of plays into that. The War of 1812. First shots fired on this day, June 23rd, 1812. The USS President fires on the HMS Belvidria. And the U.S. had declared war in Great Britain War of 1812, five days earlier, but the USS President's fourth cannon shot, the gun exploded, allowing the HMS Belvidrium to escape. Hmm, didn't know that. Mm, Frederick Douglass for president, 1888. This is interesting. On June 23rd, Frederick Douglass became the first African-American to have his name put forward for presidential nomination and a major party's role to call the vote, receiving the vote from Kentucky delegation at the Republican convention of Chicago. Hmm. I wonder how much that is circulated amongst the political (laughs) ranks that the first black person put forth for presidency was through the Republican party. Okay. Civil war, June 23rd, 1865, last formal surrender of the Confederate troops on this day. Praise God, the end of the war, civil war on this day. U.S. Secret Service was established on this day in 1860. And the saxophone was invented on this day in 1846 by a Belgian instrument maker, Adolf Sax. There you go. That's good to know. Saxophone was named after Mr. Sax. It was Sax's phone. <laughs> phone home. All right, that's enough of that. Let's go over and look at the dad jokes today. Did you hear about the hungry clock? It went back for seconds. That's a a timely dad joke. Yesterday, I accidentally swallowed some food coloring. The doctor says, I'm okay, but I'm feeling like I've died a little inside. Well, that 
nonsense out of the way, we will move over into the reading for today. So let's pray and ask God for his blessing. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we do ask that you would help us to keep our minds focused on you, focus our thoughts. God, many distractions all around us every day. We pray there be no distractions during this time. We do ask uh, you just allow us to come into your presence spiritually and listen to what you have to tell us in Jesus' name. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and verse 1. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. They have descended from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes, which have come up from their washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost their young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples are like a slice of pomegranate. Behind your veil, your neck is like the Tower of David, built with rows of stones, on which are hung a thousand shields, all around the shields of the mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies until the cool of day when the shadows flee away. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh, to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no blemish in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. May you come with me from Lebanon. Journey down to the summit of Amana, from the summit of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. You have made my heart beat faster. My sister, my bride, you have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine? and the fragrance of your oils than all kinds of spices. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garment is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride, a rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with fruits, henna, with nard plants, nard and saffron, calumus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, along with all the finest spices. You are a garden spring, a well of fresh water, a stream flowing with Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, wind of the south. Make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let the spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into his garden and eat his choice fruits. Chapter 5 I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh along with the balsam. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and bib deeply, O lovers. I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice My beloved was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my love, my perfect one. 
for my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the damp of the night. I have taken off my dress, how can I put it on again? I have washed my feet, how can I dirty them again? My beloved extended his hand through the opening, and my feelings were aroused for him. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hand dripped with myrrh, my hands dripped with myrrh, and my fingers with liquid myrrh. On my handles of the bolt, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and had gone. My heart went out to him as he spoke. I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer me. The watchman who makes the rounds in the city found me. They struck me and wounded me. The guardsmen of the walls took away my shawl from me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, as to what you will tell him, for I am lovesick. What kind of beloved is your beloved? Most beautiful among women, what kind of beloved is your beloved? That thus you adjure us. Verse 10. My beloved is dazzling and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is like gold, pure gold. His locks are like clusters of dates and black as raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water bathed in milk and reposed in their setting. His cheeks are like the bed of balsam, banks of sweet-scented herbs. His lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set with beryl. His abdomen is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of alabaster, set on pedestals of pure gold. His appearance is like a Lebanon, choice as cedars. His mouth is full of sweetness, and he is wholly desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So, as we mentioned, a love poem written between Solomon and his wife, most likely Abishag, and with these young virgin um, maids of hers as witnesses, and having a dialogue with them and one with each other, and interesting why she was wounded by the guards. I have no idea if that meant physically or emotionally by something they told her uh, that he went away, but it brings that whole in that dynamic of of the person that may at first turn away from you and you seek after them because you love them, despite whatever happened. It's a very interesting dialogue, and of course it is just speaking of the sweetness and the intimacy of marriage. And Solomon... Uh, with all of his power and all of his wisdom and, and all of everything he had to do, could take the time to stop and write these things down and have, um, I think, for the benefit of his kingdom. One of the things that we find out is, you know, uh, as so go the marriages in the country, the strength of a marriage, so goes the country. And so if there is uh, a family unit that's weak and there is... Uh, there's not an established family unit that has love and respect one for another. The country's doomed. And this seems to be a reflection of that. This is a strong, strong love. 
And what a beautiful thing to see in the Bible, that what the Bible really encourages. And what is, what is the one main thing we're seeing happening in the, in the world today? The attack on the family. That it's like the enemy is going all out to destroy the family. And uh, either don't get married at all, or if you are married, it's all about you. And it's, it's not about honoring the other person. You take what you can get. You don't need kids. You don't need to even have opposite members of sex marry each other. Uh, you can do it. In, you know. And so this is antithetical to all that. This is the, the complete biblical base. That's one man, one woman with a deep abiding love one for another. It's beautiful. And it works. Acts chapter 7 now. Stephen's defense before the council. The high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died, God had him move to this country in which you are now living. But he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground. And yet, even when he had no child, he promised that he would give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke to this effect, that his descendants would be aliens in a foreign land and that they would be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. And whatever nation to which they will be in bondage, I myself will judge, said God. And after that, they will come out and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. Verse 9, the patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. Yet God was with him and rescued him from all his afflictions and granted him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his household. Now famine came over all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction with it. And our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers there the first time. On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family was disclosed to Pharaoh. When Joseph sent word and invited Jacob, his father, and his relatives to come to him, 75 persons in all, and Jacob went down to Egypt, and there he and our fathers died. From there... They were removed to Shechem and laid in a tomb, which Abraham had purchased for some of money from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise was approaching, which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. It was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants, and they would not survive. And it was at this time that Moses was born, and he was lovely in the sight of God, and he was nurtured three months in his father's home. 
And after he had been set outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. So we have to stop there in the middle of Stephen's defense. What is astounding to me, I mean, there's a few takeaways from this. He's saying this before Pharisees, a council of learned scribes and Pharisees, Sadducees. And these are the men that would have known the story backwards and forwards. So why is she telling this to people who knew this story inwards, inside and out? Well, I can imagine, number one, to show them that he was not illiterate. They, t- they wanted to think that the followers of Jesus were just illiterate. They were fishermen. They didn't know anything. They didn't know the Bible. And so it would be to stand up and say, what I am telling you, the defense of Jesus as Messiah, I am taking from biblical records. I'm, I'm connecting it to prophecy. See, that's the other side of it. The knowledge that he had allowed him to connect the dots. And this is what I am constantly fascinated with. This is what makes Christianity um, studying the Bible so so exhilarating, so exciting, is to constantly see the connections all through the Old Testament that God had a plan from the beginning. And he was using people and speaking to people and saying, I'm going to do this. And in the future, this is going to happen. And way in the future, this is going to happen. So what he's trying to do is say, look, from the very, very beginning, God was telling us that there would come this Messiah who was Jesus, and you would crucify him, and he would rise again from the dead. And this all is related back to the faith of Abraham, all coming from the very beginning of our Jewish nation, that God has made us a nation, brought us out of Egypt, so that we could bring into the world the Messiah and that people could be saved by the perfect Lamb of God who laid his life down for all of us. And so this is going to be his plea. And of course, we're going to see tomorrow they get outreached and they kill him. But Stephen, with that kind of knowledge, faces this whole group of men with such an amazing peace and confidence that's otherworldly. Once you connect all the dots in your mind, and you know that you know that you know that you're saved, that God has spoken to you, and that he's brought peace and, and an overwhelming um, sense of, of acceptance and love, that you're forgiven, that can bring you in front of a very hostile kind of crowd and give you a peace. So what we see with the martyrs over and over again, and I'm so um, blessed and so amazed to look into the lives of the martyrs and see how they made their stand. Because most of us would agree, I would agree, that, I mean, myself, I would fold under that. I, I would, without the Holy Spirit, you'd go, wow. If I knew somebody was going to kill me, if I just kept going, talking about Jesus, I might be tempted not to talk about Jesus. <laughs> like, sorry, I, you guys don't believe this. I'll just keep it to myself. Not, no, when God moves these, these martyrs, and he's the first one, he's the first one to just stand up and make this bold statement. We live in a fallen world, and sometimes God wants us to, make a, to have a ministry to the hostile, not just to the peaceful. And so be praying for our brothers, our ministering saints over there in many hostile territories, China, North Korea, and uh, 
and and the like Sudan and so many places now. Now it's coming down to Canada, even the U.S. Pray for our brothers and sisters over there making a bold statement. And if you guys know them, pray, you know by name, pray for them. Uh, God is using them for sure. So moving on now, Charles Spurgeon. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. Second Kings 19.32 Neither did Sennacherib molest the city. He had boasted loudly, but he could not carry out his threats. The Lord is able to stop the enemies of his people in the very act. When the lion has the lamb between his jaws, the great shepherd of the sheep can rob him of his prey. Our extremity only provides an opportunity for a grander display of divine power and wisdom. In the case before us, the terrible foe did not put in an appearance before the city which he thirsted to destroy. No annoying arrow could he shoot over the walls, and no besieging engine could he put to work to batter down the castles. And no banks could be cast up to shut in the inhabitants. Perhaps in our case also the Lord will prevent our adversaries from doing us the least harm. Certainly he can alter their intentions or render their designs so abortive that they will gladly forego them. Let us trust in the Lord and keep his way and he will take care of us. Yea, he will fill us with wondering praise as we see the perfection of of his deliverance. Let us not fear the enemy till he actually come, and then let us trust in the Lord. Well, here we see the the opposite of Stephen, don't we? I mean, he God can can prevent the enemy from touching us, and yet with Stephen, he was trusting the Lord completely until the enemy did come. He was standing before him. So we have both the assurance of protection and also, well, let's put it this way. We have the assurance of God's saving hand upon our lives. And God knows when he wants to protect us, to preserve us, to further our ministry, or when our ministries are, are, term, are completed. So Stephen had a short ministry, but he, he was faithful to the end, and God took him home. So there's... There's both sides of it. And uh, the uh, assumption, I guess, is that we trust him to preserve us now and face the enemy and put our lives in his hands. We just don't know. And so uh, (laughs) with that, it does bring a boldness, but we're not presumptive. And... And we also don't grow arrogant knowing that there's not an assurance that somebody may not try and take our life. So it keeps our heart dependent upon the Lord for his help. If you knew, if you knew, you knew, because I'm a Christian, nobody can ever kill me or something, you might be tempted to be a little arrogant and uh, maybe do things not with humility and not doing things, trusting the Lord, probably fall into your own strength. So, yeah, it's one of those areas where we just don't know. So let us be praying for our brothers and sisters that are in those situations and 
pray that God would minister to them directly. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for another day to come into your presence and learn of you and learn of your love for us. As expressed here in the Song of Solomon, that there is the thread of truth that you developed love between man and woman to give us really a, at least a glimpse of the quality of love that you have for us, uh, a, a love that is faithful and true and is really caring and gentle. We serve you, God, as the only God really that has these characteristics. The other false gods are not gods that have that kind of depth of concern and love. They, they are so often distant and harsh and warlike and uh, demanding. But we thank you that you came into the world and, and showed something radically different. And marriage is to be a testimony and an expression of that love you have for us. It is the mystery we see in the Old Testament between Jesus and his bride. So thank you for that. Thank you for our understanding of that. Thank you for the understanding of what it is to be a Christian and to stand up and just say, this is the story. Here's the connection that Israel was created to show your love to a lost and dying world. And you love that world so much that you laid down your life for anyone who would come to you who would desire to be a part of the bride of Christ. So thank you. It's a, it's a love letter written to us all. So thank you for that. And we are deeply touched by it and moved by it. And God, we think of the people that are out there that are day in and day out that are, are trying to communicate like Stephen to people and that have to deal with some very hostile environments. God, please give them the strength of Stephen and the boldness, but also the protection, God, that was with so many of the apostles for most of their life. John, who was, you know, tried, he could boil in oil, but never could be killed. We pray that you would absolutely give them a preservation of life so they can continue witnessing and sharing your love. So a special blessing for the missionaries in very hostile and difficult places this morning. And we do want to just think about the families of those that were lost in the submarine. A very tragic, tragic accident, and we uh, can only, God, speculate, but it seems there was a breakdown in the equipment. Those people had uh, knew, they probably knew, that they weren't going to make it, so God, we just pray that they had time to, to, they had time to know you. Maybe some of them are with you now. And we pray that this would be used as a way to reach out to their families and that those who love their families would be able to find a way to lovingly and, and uh, caringly help people come to a knowledge that there is life after death, that there is something there. And may we all, everyone who hears us, be able to reflect on it and think about it. So it is can be used for your kingdom in some way, God. We pray that there is, is a, a viable way for that to happen. Thank you for um, the blessings we have as fellowships uh, all around the country and on Canada, Mexico, and the way you are growing your church. We continue, God, to ask you to, to build us up, give us strength in our walk with you, and to be able to pray one for another. And again, special prayer for the Castor Alliance, the girls doing a little better, being able to think a little clearer, 
express their thoughts, having just you know times with their family. We pray God that you continue to to use the medication that they're that they're taking and the diet and the food and the rest. We thank you that the Castellans found another uh, place with a bigger space to move to that might allow a lot more freedom for the kids to move around and continue their healing. So, God, we just ask for a special, special blessing upon that family and a continued healing for them. So we thank you, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go, guys. Thank you for uh, hanging in there with us. And we are going to head out to the mission today. So we will be working with the kids as always. And... You know, we have a new play structure coming down, and I'd be praying that it makes it through the border today. It's been hung up at the border for a couple of days. We're trying to get it moved down here and get it set up for the kids. It's going to be fun, going to be exciting. Some of you guys may have even contributed to that, so thank you. We'll let you know when we get all that worked out and get it down here. So until then, we will see you tomorrow at the same time. God bless you all very much. We appreciate you guys. I love you guys. See you later. Bye-bye.